So, so when the Buddha talked to these five kanda, five aggregates, form, feeling, perceptions, activations, consciousness, to be seen with detachment, dispassion, the mind bent on not making more of them, relinquishing a certain graduated sequence in that. Deep understanding of the aggregates is a recognition these are, all of them are formulated. It's the jitta formulates, uh, or these are formulated. And then there's a sutta where the Buddha, or I think it's Sariputta, explains Sankara is that which activates or brings form, concocts it, concocts feeling, concocts perception, concocts further concoctions or activations or volitional programs, concocts consciousness. So these are concocted. They're concocted, they can be unconcocted. This was this fundamental concocting isn't something we have personally have much say over, it's more or less built in, reflexive. We have to look at the places where any any quality of that reflexive, reactive, habitual experience lies. Because this is this very quality of concocting and of fabricating in its reflexive, out-of-control way, that is the sign. That is the sign of ignorance, suffering, and making more suffering. Mm. And it's a reflexive reaction. So we have to look at where these qualities occur, because the point is that if you can undo this at all on any level, you're beginning to undo the fundamental program, you know, the, the, the basic, uh, you say the current, you're breaking the cable somewhere in this fabricated system. So this requires activation. The activations that lead to the end of conscious, deliberate, focused, encouraged, established, firmed up activations that lead to the end of the compulsive, reflexive, reactive ones. This way we replace awija, not understanding compulsiveness, with clarity, conscious, aware, awake. And this is the formula that you keep running through. Can one be as conscious, as clear, as comprehensive in one's sense of what one's doing and reduce the amount of reactive, compulsive, habitual, ingrained 
ones? Do, you, do we see them as problematic? Some don't seem that problematic. They seem just to be normal, okay, or you know, whatever else is doing, or the nature of the world, or the way society runs, and so forth. Mm. Well, you know, but again, if you look on the big picture, the way society runs, well, you know, <laughs> where does it run to? <laughs> uh, and not to say that, that everybody in it is completely stupid. People do break out of their habits. And every time somebody breaks out of a dogmatic position, fundamental position, stuck, uh, addiction, uh, compulsive reaction, so yeah, bravo, that's the human spirit, it's doable. So it's, it's not a final, it's dukkha is not a final statement about everybody, or avijja is not a final statement, it's a statement, this is something that occurs to us, and we notice it in ourselves and others, and we notice the results. We also notice the results whenever someone on some level or another comes out of a trap, out of a bond, out of a bondage, out of a preoccupation, out of addiction, dogmatism, fundamentalism, despair, fixation and so forth, the feeling, yeah, there's a break, it does occur, people do wake, and the process of Dharma practice is just to reiterate that as many times and as deeply as one can. And the uh, the nexus or the le- link of these, you can see in several ways, c- craving, t- fixation, uh, becoming. It always takes one into being something or another. Some One imagines something, one gets a shaky feeling, one would be, could be, should be, ought to be. One feels a sense of fear that one might be. Yeah. Or glow of... of gratification that one will be in the future. These are the, the, the negative and positive limiters that attract us. How can you be attracted to something that's that's um, painful? This is where you begin to see just how you know unconscious and how reflexive this is. How we can reiterate our burdens and keep focusing on them, not because they're always agreeable, but because they give an orientation in the world of becoming, I will be. It's crazy, but it's true, isn't it? Mm. You know? And certainly one, one comes into situations where it's all you know, materially it's quite it's quite okay, it's quite comfortable, there's no hostility, uh, there's no abuse, no pressure, and yet still the mind can create misery. And so certainly my experience, monasteries perhaps are not the most comfortable places in many respects, but they're okay. You know, I mean... There's, uh, you can trust everybody. And uh, so retreat centers are pretty much okay. You know, on many levels. 
and yet still, and in a way that's the way it's supposed to be, because then it, it kind of, all this latent tendencies start welling up, and you get a chance to, whew, you know, review them, check them out. Where is the suffering now? Where is the stressing? Where is the feeling of inadequacy? Or other people are like this, I'm not as, she is. Uh, and the future and the past and maps of my progress and decline where is all that who's writing it up on the board what's writing it up on the board compulsive reflex to become something to define one itself as something miserable fortunate half miserable semi-miserable sometimes (laughs) happy uh, well-meaning you know it's not all bad, is it? But yet, why, why, does it, why does it keep having to refer to that all the time? The mental mood. What is it? It's the mood of the moment. The mood of the moment, the sanya, the perception of the moment. The mood of the moment generates a perception of nimitta. This is myself. That nimitta has got attraction to it. Pause. This is going to be uh, the anchoring point for where I go from here. So once I've got that anchor point, then da, 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 I can organize around that. To, you know, so that, but that limiter is a limiter, it's a sign, it's a, a concoction. And so we orient instead around, you know, there's certainly earth element here, you know, or something firm here, uh, there's movement, there's vitality, there's a uh, field of virtue, precepts, generosity, resilient patience, resolution here. Mm-hmm. So we orient around these and whose is it? Doesn't really matter. You, you can see it in the field an opening to the field of corporate experience, the aramana, the atmosphere of the situation. So even when oneself feels pretty uncertain or lost, that's the benefit of sangha. You can just, okay, we'll just sit in this, you know, open up to this. And that's pretty much um, standard encouragement in monastic life, when it's such a severe disorientation from one's habits and and uh, normalities, that many people are pretty much, yeah, thrown adrift at some level, and then your mind just starts generating things out of its disorientation, generates out of the sense of disorientation. It generates fear, it generates hostility, it generates desperation, it generates panic, it generates depression, it generates these things, it generates craving because of the disorientation. You think, well, so just to be allowed into that and sit in the field. Um, That's the kind of bottom line of it all, really. uh, of, of, of sangha practice. Mm. 
and so there's that encouragement just to receive. Mm. But, you know, clearly also one is training to um, pick things up. To pick, so because there's a sense in which, uh, you know, the, the mind is held by energy. There's an energetic quality to Sankara. They're volitional. They have a drive, a push. That push and that drive that concocts suffering or can be deliberately used to direct out of it, there's an energy to it. And one can notice if the energy gets very, when it, in confused states, the energy is very scrambled. In desperate states, the energy is very driven. In craving states, the energy is flushing and firing. You know? And uh, so if the energy can be turned, channeled, directed, then it doesn't support those limiters, those avenues, those channels, those outflows. In this way, by tapping the energy of Sankara, we begin to have some say over what our minds will linger in or stay in. It gets sort of on the macro level, you know, you know, so certainly in forest monasteries there's quite an emphasis even on work, on doing stuff. You know, in one way there's nothing really to do, you could say. Well, there's a little bit to do, but there's often a lot of you know, tidying, cleaning, fixing things, sewing things, going to things, learning chanting. And why are you doing all this stuff? It's because so the most energy is used, in heart, encouraged, brought up, directed, channeled into things that are blameless. Maybe not necessary, but, you know, making the requisites, cleaning the bowls, and so on, serving, uh, chanting, and so on. Just to, means that while that is there, then what is not there is... Uh, or is given less energy to is distracted thinking, uh, self-analysis, and so on. And we begin to generate a field of, it's got a certain corporate energy to it. It's not frantic energy, it's steady. reacts together. So this was very much the modality of the Ajahn Chah monasteries. Corporate quality, so there's an energy and a sense of linkage and connectivity that people can, oh yeah, there's that. My mind is doing this, but there's that. My mind is this boat tipping around, but there's this ocean that I'm sitting in. Just sense the ocean, let the boat sit in the ocean. So the energy is then steadied, and the energy uh, of the Sankara when it's held like that, is not going into generating uh, suffering. I mean, it does, but it's at least given, you've got something that's levering against it. So in in that endeavour, I mean, many people are certainly a, 
because uh, I've done this myself, just been hours and hours doing chanting recitations. I learnt uh, the entire book of the rules, which it takes, if you do it very fast, very fast, it's about 45 minutes non-stop. And to learn that by heart, it's months and years. Possibly, you know, an hour is not bad, 45 minutes is fast. Some people would do it really to about 40 but it's it's so that is very very fast that's like uh, you know uh, much faster than one could speak it's certainly it's 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 necessary because it does this recitation is that which holds the body together if you don't have this patimoka recitation you don't you've got four monks you don't actually have a sangha uh, that's interesting. It doesn't mean they like each other. They're having a great time meditating. They really no, no. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means you've done done that together. You've all signed up to the rule and to the custom and the tradition and the sense of we do this, like it or not. <laughs> you know, so you have something that directs your energy to a goal that's of no personal, in some ways, of little significance. Yeah. You, know, you don't get a pr- you don't get a prize for it. They don't give you an extra heaping of food if you do it right. People don't say anything; they just do it, and he sits there and they just listen. And forty-five minutes listening to this sound, and you let your mind go into the sound. And it's just it's one of the most strangely inspiring things. When I uh, my early years. I'd always receive a great deal of the two sources of joy. <laughs> One was arms round, the other was the um, the recitation. Recitation once a fortnight, arms round every day. Those, those were the two sources of, of of joy. And it wasn't a joy like I'm happy. It's just this strange energy of feeling. I don't know. Like your your mind is held by something outside, and then all the. The content of your own mind is just well, it's just debris floating on the ocean, and that's a that's a bottom line. What's happening there? You know, I feel the results because the energy is not going into areas of self, future, past, other recriminations, fantasies, and so on. Just just that much, one has gained something just through that much. And people don't often, you know, like this as an idea, because it's it certainly requires a uh, a conformity, uh, even though it's only around certain things that are, are blameless, and it's not about. But it's not a conformity that's demanded. It's just that you wish to, because you see benefit in it, because you begin to recognise without it, you must orient around me mine and that you begin to see after all this is perilous territory so I'll do you know I'll do anything just to step past that so that basis is not there when that basis is not there this itself is a great benefit for the elimination of suffering and stress one can look at one's duties and responsibilities in such a way.
Kamatana, called Foundation on Action, on activity, on doing stuff. And then you can refine that. So, you know, to how you do meditation as just a kind of, like a, a duty that you do and you bring to mind the body. working through the body, checking in with, just like you're walking through something, checking in with the toes, the sinews, the muscles, the joints, uh, the skeletal structure, the bones, the organs, just checking in with it, opening it up. Uh, This sense of which the, what's called the unattractive aspects of the body, or the least attractive, that's which cause least uh, uh, pleasure, happiness, beauty to arise, there's certainly something about the very nature of the content which has a, a sobering effect to it. But the other aspect is it's something that you can do, you know. You can actually like track and you can feel parts of your body and you can check what is that? What is that feeling relating to? That bone that I call that which are seems to be myself, that experience, what's it coming from? And the mind acquires that limiter and gains strength with it. So the energy is then used to acquire a particular limiter, derived limiter, conscious, deliberately, rather than the unconscious, reactive limiters of my life, the future, the past, other people, and so on. Yeah, which is what tends to happen for for all of us. And these are confused, muddy, tangled, uh, like webs, which sticky, uh, cloudy, uh, full of concern or uncertainty. Or uh, where is it? It's not really clear about anything. You know, you get visions and images, and the mind will tend to spew these up on a retreat, as if it's disgorging. Uh, and this is one of the challenges in these times our personal life can seem very, very intense and vivid. Because that's, 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 the, that's what's been loaded. And you stop, you pause, and this is the load that comes through the personal pack. And, yeah, but then when you're actually seeing it in this light, you realize, wow, this is what the personal pack is about. It contains this. Once you've unhitched it from its conventional track, it doesn't seem like such a good vehicle anymore. There's nothing particularly wrong with any of us. It's just that this vehicle, the personal vehicle, it, you know, it, it doesn't go very well, very far. It's dukkha. And the good news is that this is not what you are. This is energetically created, reactively created, reflexively concocted, remembered, regurgitated, fabricated. And it, because, because if, it were, if it were otherwise, it would not constantly require this energy to keep it going. 
Have you found a stable personality yet? One that's just totally steady day and night, unwavering, immutable? Or is it just a mass of, like a flock of geese, holding a certain shape, but full of honking and fluttering? (laughs) A certain grace to it, certainly, but honking and fluttering. And what's the sky that it moves through? And so if we unhook Sankara, you know, we've, in coming here we've already done that to a degree. You know, we, we've, we've set up something, we've come off our track. Therefore, the disorientation and then the person pack, person package becomes out of its conventional mode and it seems very, you know, suddenly it's no longer running down its track. It's like a railway carriage that's trying to go through the jungle. It feels very un, out of kilter. So then you, you know, calming it, steadying it. Mm-hmm through referring to steadying, calming signs, sign of body, the sign of movement, the sign of walking, sign of standing, sign of breathing. Because these are both available signs and they carry a particular steadying energy to them. With steadying energy, helps to eliminate the basis for the fluttering, distracted, dull, negative states. The limiter, the sign. Now there are many signs that we can cultivate. These help to challenge the other fundamental aspect of that keeps this whole thing going. Perception, sanya, signs, and uh, uh, the way that our minds are, they orient through signs, they orient through perceptions, perceptions of oneself, perceptions of others, perceptions of the past, the future, one's home, one's family. And we orient around those, those images flash up whether attractive or agitated or uh, whatever, moods with them. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, okay. And we can't say that those beings uh, have no existence whatsoever, but they have a, at this particular time, they have a perceptual existence. That's, again, and the perceptual existence is not one of neutral clarity if the percep- if these perceptions contain elements that are subject to suffering we can say these are like uh, suffering with a mask on yeah. ignorance in a glove so you don't we don't see it mm. uh, 
if they just well up, likelihood is they are the reflexive, reactive ones. And stimulating, if only I was, or if only they would be, or what will I, or how can I deal with urgencies, activations. Uh, Is it possible to establish more helpful perceptions and imitators of others? Mm. Humans, uh, other humans, just like me, sentient, vulnerable, uh, lovable, uh, those who have access to Dhamma, who I can feel some degree of trust in, there's a certain covenant, whatever you think about their intellectual capacities or their bodily strength or shape, Mm -hmm. or the emotional flickers that run across one's chitta. This is someone you can feel a sense of, there's a ground, basic convention of safety and trust. Mm -hmm. Um, Then you bring up that and you stay in it, and you stay in it so that essentially the nimitta of safety and trust is established. And then, of course, you can let go of the the image. Mm. We can bring it up again and infuse that picture, that image, that person with it, and bring it back into yourself. So some meditations are just about cultivating this quality. Uh, Buddhas, bodhisattvas, guardians, teachers, friends, and so forth. You just bring up the image, steady it, stabilize in it, Till the quality of the energy and the firm, the mind is steadied, comforted. Uh, it's not flowing down the old tracks. And then the pictures and the images can fade and you're left with the root fundamental quality of steadiness, uh, benevolence, clarity. And these are going to be your resources for anything we do. And we need to convert the... Uh, wayward, scattered perceptions that just run through the mind into more deliberate ones and check and repel and question the responsive, reflexive ones that arise. What is the basis of this? Where does it go? What does it generate? So this is cultivation, this inquiry turning over, Dhamma Vijaya. What is to be followed, what's not to be followed? Sanya Sankara. And any time one pauses around the habitual, picks up the deliberate, skillful, then any time we're doing that, we're in line with a training and a practice that will give rise to good fruit. Any time we check habitual energy and do a discerning, clear, focused, then we're more in line with truth being true the beauty of this is it does expand one's when you see this core qualities of the aggregates and you get a handle on them then you can begin to you know have some reference points that you one can carry outside of a retreat situation Retreat situation is a chance to check in as to what's running, what's on the loaded, uh, what needs to be 
and you deliberately you check in with yourself and then you check in also with your resources and strengthen them have the chance the opportunity to strengthen your resources so that you can meet your life as it happens So is it, uh, and this means the sanya-sankara is the hinge point. So, just in terms of my own practice example, you know, my initial meditation practice kind of broke down after I, circumstances um, pushed me out of the retreat center I was in for three years and it just all fell apart because it was only, I, well, I only had the skills and the teachings to practice it in a very specific situation it didn't transfer I hadn't transferred it to the wider uh, field of events and circumstances so the the thing that I used primarily was just uh, community and service and resolution just stay with this it's not the best but you know what else you got and uh, you know, and then staying long term, staying with it until the, and working through the perceptions of you know, uh, it should work, it should succeed. Yes, no. I mean, sort of rumbles along. If look at it on the worldly level, monasteries, monastic communities. It's all, yeah. But as people are coming and going, uh, people leaving, getting disillusioned. Uh, new people coming, we've got to have problems sorted out. Um, maintenance structures need to be kept going. Um, new stuff happening. Uh, kinds of, you know, it's it's life. And it's never, I have never really found a sense of, oh, this is really just it. It's always just one thing, next thing, next thing, next thing, next thing. And then you can have occasions when it seems very good, and then the person who felt it was really doing very well, decides he's going to go somewhere else, or, okay, that one's, now we don't, then it falls apart again. So it's like that, and, you know, one can feel a sense of pouring water onto sand, as it were, watching it all drain away. But the most important thing is to have some water. (laughs) And uh, the seeing dry sand helps to bring out one's water <laughs> it doesn't really yeah it would be nice if but it doesn't always work that way but at least one cultivated the quality of service generosity giving patience goodwill and one became more and more dispassionate about results something got learned you know just focus on that the energy and the intentionality yeah and instead of the perception based upon, 
you know, results on, on the macro field, look at it, the results in the heart. It's when becoming less, when uh, becoming broader-minded, less fretful. Uh, is one's sense of uh, impatience growing stronger. Yeah. And, uh, you know, do you keep checking, as I do, if I, is the water good enough? Is it, can I get it clearer, uh, finer, more, more, more useful? Just keep checking. Inquiries, the cleaning the blemishes or the ignorance from my own mind. Okay, this is work, but, you know, something better to do. So that kind of attitude seems to to me to work better in dealing with my, when I'm in silence, in solitude. I don't, just to keep pouring the water and seeing where it comes from. Where does the spring come from? Some sense of faith, some sense of uh, service, some sense of a good energy must be sustained, a high energy must be sustained. It's not just a matter of brute force or inspiration or making things work, just steady high energy must be sustained, otherwise one goes into deep trouble. You know, steady high energy must be sustained, otherwise one goes into despond, despair, complaining, you know. So, what sustains a steady high energy? This is a question. You can get it down to that that point, really. You know, what nimiters, what signs help sustain steady high energy? What aspirations, what uh, modes of practice sustain a steady our energy and what, where does it turn into desperately feeling you've got to make something happen? When does it turn into can't do this? Uh, so it's not suitable. The sign, you must contemplate the sign of the mind. Where does the, over time, through skillfulness, through clarity, uh, it's not just the, doesn't just switch on. You've got to refine it and check it and notice today this one isn't, it's not here. Where does the start steady heart energy spring from? Faith. And how is that sustained through mindfulness? How is it collected, gathered in, samadhi? What is all of that discernment? You see, this is the real thing, this is the true thing, this is the valuable thing, this is the most precious thing. This has to be looked after. The rest of it, well, you know, it's just something you, you, you pour your water onto. And to some degree, yeah, there's benefits. And good things occur and sometimes they don't occur. Uh, you know. Because as soon as you move out of that stream of heart, the conditionalities become complex. We're in a very complex inheritance of fabrications. You can't even get even get your own body to work all the time. <laughs> you know? Let alone, the, the further away you get, the, the lower the percentages go. 
but it can still be the case that you know someone else gets a great benefit from it because you never quite know where these where these things are orbiting like it looks like sometimes we're physical bodies very separate from each other uh, it looks like that on the visual plane a level of consciousness but when you come down to what's happening in the heart sometimes hearts get very close and you know there's a big effect can occur uh, you know, other times people look close your brother your sister and they can be the other end of the planet in terms of heart it's just it's not there and this is a mystery. And it could be the case that hearts grow close and move away again. Or so this is something we can never really be that definite about. But when you come down to it, you know, you come into the, just the steady heart energy and what consciously directed signs the sign of your own breathing, your sign of your body, the sign of your vitality, the sign of the elements, the sign of loving kindness, the sign of friendliness, the sign of Buddha, the sign of, you know, the meditation themes. And you, they don't just pop up involuntarily. One has to deliberately access, sustain, work in, feel, make real, feel it, sense it until an energy begins to accumulate in that quality and then it's something you can then rest upon this is the cultivation of samadhi uh, it's just not adequate to have these as, as impressions that one just feels a sense of wonder and awe at or delight in when they occur they have to be deeply embedded so they have an energetic property that you can go to that becomes as close as one's fear and worry. In fact, you want it closer. <laughs> that's that's a big big ask, of course. <laughs> but at least it's it's within striking distance. So, you know, you feel that sense. Oh, here's it coming on. Quick, go to that. You know, you feel the shaking and you feel the sinking. Where's it? You go to that. And that's that's the, you know. So the, this is the value of samadhi. It's just to embed a sign till it becomes as imprinted as the sign of, you know, of the world, of, and so on. And then real liberating discernment can occur, because that, that sign, that nimitta, that perception, chitta you know, is then not led astray, not deceived. Mm. You know, this is... This is not, this is to be followed, this is not to be followed. And when we follow that, when we listen to that, when we attune to that, this sign that has been generated has been for my welfare, has been steadied. It's just a sign. <laughs> yeah. uh, this too is concocted. And the realization signless no bad signs and not even adhering to a positive sign 
But this is this is a long development process. Till the very quality of aggregation, once it's consciously fabricated, consciously determined, uh, is used to remove one from the confused aggregations, and then it's done. That's the that's that work has been cultivated, and then there could be reviewing. First, which is reviewing of the deceased. That's just the thought. Why put energy into that? That's just the mood. Why put energy into that? That's just the feeling that's happening. Why put energy into that? It can, the disease can be reviewed as. It's not even worth trying to work it out. It's just you turn away because it's just that. This, this is possible. Turning away from aggregation. Stilling of Sankara, relinquishment of old fixations, old blueprints, old habit, old tendencies, destruction of craving, dispassion, ceasing, Nibbana. And these are often, for most of these, going to be beginning moments when it. Not gonna, it's not going to happen in one go, but you see certain passages, certain pieces of the story. Stop. Nothing go there anymore. It doesn't happen anymore. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed what isn't arising? Have you noticed anything that ceased? Well, one particular piece of story that's finished. Then, you know, you can recognize, trust the process. gain confidence. The ongoing work has to be to be concerned for one's own welfare and to use these forms, physical, mental, subtle material, heart forms, body forms, to strengthen one's path, one's way of liberation. It's like a journey, you know. So we have a day to cultivate. Um, Now keep bringing to mind those reference points and the ones that are most helpful for you, body, values, nature, other people, or the presence of Kalyanamitta, spiritual friends. Clearly a perception of other people can be very loaded. We can feel, you know, the one who's different, or the one who's not this or that, or she's this and I'm never that, this kind of stuff. So you try to aim for something more, you know, baseline of sentient, <laughs> feels, <laughs> struggles, suffers, habituals, habitual tendencies, has aspirations, and you know, a sense of compassion and companionship in the struggle, 
uh, can uh, can occur. Try to uh, acknowledge the sense of differentiation and separation, and what's at that boundary. You know, to be must be moved past that boundary. Must be moved past that boundary where the differentiation has got uncomfortable negative affiliate qualities to it. Must get through that. Just through that. Even just to inch through some of these things, this is noble. This is encouraging, you know, because these are not these are big deals, really. On self and other people, are hugely impacted, hugely embedded, and you look at the the suffering that that can be created just out of perception, you know, and triggered, not chosen. Well, this is something one has to find one's time and courage and inclination to lean against. So certainly joining together for pujas, you know, it's it's not a personal, yet it's everybody's here. Joining together for the arms round is an occasion where it can be very gladdening for the heart.